we do grow what we feed. And that is the thought that I will leave people with. It's not about illusion and reality, although we could talk about that all day. It's really about where you put your focus. And if you're focused on your fears and if you're focused on all the things that you do not want to have happen, you're feeding it. You're just feeding it. And if you're focused on all the possibilities, because they really are unlimited, every door that closes is just one of infinity minus one. You still have infinity of possibilities. If you focus on that, you're going to move forward. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our special co-host today is Kamanzi Constable from KamanziConstable.com. Aloha, Kamanzi. Aloha, Jared. I'm glad to be joining you. I've you always... sound wide awake and ready to rock. I'm ready. I haven't had a coffee, <laughs> but I'm ready. What time is it in Hawaii today? It's 6.30. 6.30 a.m. Okay, there yeah. no excuses. So, hey, if you're not ready to rock, you will be shortly because our guest is dynamite. No kidding. Of course, we're talking about Dixie Gillespie. She is a coach, speaker, fire starter, author of Just Blow It Up, Firepower for Living and an Unlimited Life. She's an editor at the Goodman Project, and she's the mastermind behind DixieDynamiteCoaching.com. Dixie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jared Kamanzi. I'm thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to have you. So, Dixie, I don't know if you know this, but we ask one question on the show, everybody that comes on, and that question is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, first, you have to know I'm totally eclectic when it comes to musical tastes. I've seen a lot of greats from a lot of genres, but the first one that comes to mind, <laughs> this may surprise you, but Leonard Cohen. And it wasn't just because it was an amazing concert. And I saw it at the Fox in St. Louis, which is just one of those venues that you never forget. But it was because he had, this was his kind of return tour. The guy was in his 70s and he had not performed in like 15 years. He'd been living in ashrams. He thought he was retired. And his business manager like took everything he owned while he was retired in this ashram. So the impressive thing to me wasn't just that he is the consummate performer. He made everybody feel like they were part of the show. It was this warm, light, but totally polished performance. He was amazingly gracious to everyone on the stage with him, and they were all incredible performers. He was doing this after 15 years of retirement, after this really big blow. I mean, you talk about coming back through adversity, and there was none of that that showed up in the tour. The recording is amazing. The show is amazing. And I think there's a lot of business lessons that we can take away from his experience, even if you don't like his music, but I love his music. So I would have to go with Leonard Cohen as the answer to that one. I didn't expect see, that, but duly noted. Yeah, no, I want to go see one of the shows. So Dixie, this is a true or false question for you. Dreams passionately pursued have ways of becoming true. Oh, if you don't believe that one, I'm so sorry. That is so true. And it was three years ago that Earl Grey, who's a friend I have yet to meet in person, but you know how social media is so wonderful because you can really feel connected to somebody that you haven't necessarily met in the flesh. People say, do you know them in real life? I'm like, dude, I'm living my real life. So yeah, I had just finished an event. I said, I'd never do. Just started on a dream. I had said I was never going to dare to dream. And I get this beautiful, you can see it on my Facebook page, this beautiful paper crane made out of like wrapping paper with a little tiny pink rose on her wing and a card. 
that said exactly that. And it was just affirmation. I knew it to be true, but for that to show up when it did, how it did, just reminded me, absolutely, you have to passionately pursue those dreams. All right. So let's roll into finish this sentence, Dixie. We're going to give you a couple of sentences, the beginning of them, and then if you'd be willing to give a short finish and maybe a short reason why. So the first one is, and finish this sentence, if you ever get featured on Facebook... Oh, you either did something really, really great or something really, really wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So you were featured on Facebook. Was it great or wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose it depends on who you ask. It felt pretty great. (laughs) Good deal. Okay, Dixie, finish this sentence. If you ever visit St. Louis... Well, call me first and foremost. If you visit St. Louis and you don't connect with me, I promise to cry. But other than that, if you ever visit St. Louis, don't miss Forest Park and the museums. There's something for everybody that will inspire you, educate you, entertain you, lift your spirits, whatever. It's the second largest park in the United States, I believe. And it's just, it is beautiful. It's one of the reasons I'm still here. Fantastic. So Dixie, I want to go on the record here. You do like random strangers calling you. Is that, did I hear that correctly? (laughs) Well, I I don't necessarily answer, but I do return phone calls. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. The last finish this sentence, and this is going to seem a little random, but it, but it won't be. The meaning of rock chalk is. You know, there's a lot of controversy about the meaning of rock chalk, but believe me, if you've ever lived in Lawrence, Kansas, the meaning is you need to stand up, start cheering, or you better run for your life. Because if you're in Lawrence and you don't cheer for rock chalk, you're in danger. So you are a Jayhawk enthusiast. You know, I love the people. I'm not a big sports fan, to tell the truth. I always say I learned basketball, again, in self-defense. If you don't talk basketball and you're doing business in Lawrence, Kansas, you won't last long. Yeah, basketball is really the only sport I understand. But I'm a big enthusiast for the people and the spirit. And just Lawrence is a wonderful town. I still miss it sometimes. That's cool. When people meet you, Dixie, do they start singing the uh, Dixie Chicken song? Have you ever heard that? Oh, I wish they would. Little Little Feet would be a definite improvement. No, usually what I get is I wish I were in Dixie. You know, it's, I actually had an oh, AT&T right. operator do that one time. I was calling back in college days. You call person to person collect. Told him my name. He starts singing. I wish I were in Dixie. I'm like, really? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. he. Well, that's a great song, too. He'd never heard a Little Feet, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's some listeners who may not be familiar with your work and what you're up to, but you are Dixie Dynamite. So would you be willing to share with the listeners a Reader's Digest version of what made Dixie Dynamite? I wish I knew. That was a nickname I got in the second grade, and I was so insulted because I thought they were saying that I was, you know, volatile and dangerous. And I guess you could look at it that way. Maybe in the second grade I was. I have no idea because I grew up without television. I grew up in kind of a Christian cult, no television, no radio. So it may have been a cultural reference that I just didn't get, but they started calling me Dixie Dynamite. And when I started on Twitter, Dixie wasn't available. Dixie G wasn't available. Nobody can spell Gillespie. Forget about that. So I just, you know, childhood nickname, Dixie Dynamite. And it really took off. And I was at one of Bob Berg's events and he invited me up to the stage and introduced me as Dixie Dynamite. 
that maybe 20, 30 people in the room had ever met me, but they went crazy clapping because they knew me from Twitter. And Libby Gill, who's the branding specialist that she actually branded like the Dr. Phil show, and she's been a television branding specialist, came up to me afterwards and she's like, so where is Dixie Dynamite on your website? There's no reference to that. I'm like, oh, it's not a brand. That's a nickname. She's like, it needs to be your brand. It still took me a year to create a brand around it. It felt pretty edgy. And now four years later, five years later, it's just fun. I'm just having fun with all the theme stuff, like just blow it up. You know, it was totally a dynamite thing. But if it hadn't been for Libby, I still wouldn't be using that as a brand. (laughs) Jared, and I could tell you from the emails we have, even like a lot at the Goodman Project between editors, there's a lot of uh, dynamite references and whatnot going on there. (laughs) Is that because you're the bomb, Dixie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right you know, don't answer that <laughs> i'll leave that to other people <laughs> to define i think i'm gonna sidestep that one that's said in great okay. humility we appreciate that so dixie can you tell us what is ripples to waves and what compelled you to reach out to me to start it you know i've always talked to people about ripples and one of the things that i do obviously work with entrepreneurs so small business owners a lot of times feel like they're not having a big enough impact on the world and i get that i mean that's what we're paid for that's what we're compensated for is our impact on other people and on the world so the greater the impact the greater the compensation and so i always tell people you don't always see the ripples you create your presence in the world you know people say i want to change the world well you can't help it you're going to change the world just by being here you create ripples but A lot of us want to create waves, right? We want to make some big waves. And writing is one of the, I want to say the best, but that's because it's close to my heart. But content in general is one of the best ways to reach people without needing to be physically present. You know, we're all confined to these physical forms. There's only so much we can do in our physical form. But our words can reach huge oceans of people. And... I was working with a lot of writers that wanted to learn how to do that. And their little blogs were creating some little ripples, but it wasn't big enough. They wanted to be on the bigger sites like the Goodman Project, like HuffPost, like Entrepreneur, like MindBodyGreen, like, and some of them more specialty industry sites. They didn't know where to start. I knew the editing side. I know how to help them create great on-brand content. There's a lot of that I knew. But since my big goal wasn't necessarily to be writing for the bigger sites, although I do, it's not my primary focus, I had never done the work and research of how to make that happen. And you had, Kamanzi, I mean, you had a definite strategy behind how you had approached getting featured on Michael Hyatt's blog, getting your HuffPost column, so on and so forth. So between the two of us, I felt like, wow, all these people that really want to start making waves, if we partner We have all the aspects of that and then add to that the fact that both of us have kind of a minor specialty in small business marketing, positioning, online marketing. We can actually help teach them how to convert that conversation to their own space and convert into clients. So it was, I think, you know, I asked for the other half of the equation and you showed up and I'm really thankful for that. That's great. How do people find out about Ripples to Waves? Well, it's pretty easy since there's a website just Ripples to, and that's T-O, not the number. So ripplestowaves.com. Yeah, we actually, we decided this is something that we're going to continue to build, not just the initial course. We may not teach. We're starting that initial course again, the four-week course, 
In fact, the early bird deadline was supposed to end yesterday. I messed up and put it on the website as the 29th, so it ends today. But it will start in November. We'll actually be running through the 1st of December. Then we're going to take a break from that initial course, and we're going to do a really in-depth, intensive, advanced uh, three-month mastermind. So we're really helping people hone their content, get it placed where they want it to be placed, and really develop a strategy around conversion. So we decided it needed its own space if we were going to get that deeply into it. Sure. I mean, the response so far has been awesome. Yeah. And the results, oh my word, in the first three weeks of the first group that we took through this class, we hadn't even finished our final call. And we had half of our group that had been placed at least once on one of the big sites that they had set their sites on. Some of them several times. Some of them had had posts go viral. A couple of the writers that turned their work in had it picked up by other sites, media partners for distributions. It's just been, this is the passion behind what we do. You know, you talk about, you know, pursuing dreams passionately. The passion behind this is, for me, is seeing other people start to trust their voice, start to put their message out there, start to make impact and get the results from it. So I'm going to pose a question here to Jared. And this isn't definitely not self-promotion of the course, but but I'm just going to ask you, Jared, because you have a lot of podcasters that listen to this show. Do you think that a podcaster should be writing in some form or another? Well, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that. I mean, I like to do podcasting because I like to talk and I feel like my writing isn't as strong. But obviously, there's clear benefits to writing. And and you and Dixie could speak to that better than I could. But it's undeniable. I've heard you talk, Kamazi, and now I'm hearing you, Dixie, talk about this course and the people who are going through this and the opportunities that are opening up because of that clarity that they're getting. And I think that's exciting. And even as a podcaster, I say, man, what if I could increase the visibility of my core message by being able to write or be out in these different major publications? I think that's fantastic what you're up to, and it's clearly working. And I'm sure we'll talk about this on a future episode, Jared. But Jared and I have had a lot of private conversations about this, and he was... uh Jared had some interesting ideas about re-engineering the whole writing process to get featured for podcasters. So let's talk about that another episode, Jared. <laughs> That's another episode for sure. Hey, back to Dixie, because Dixie, you talked about being a minor in business, but you do have a lot of business experience. You can help people with that. So what do you see as some of the greatest barriers that people are facing when they decide to start or grow their business? Well, you just really gave us an example, and I'll tell you why. But (laughs) I think, you know, for starting a business and growing a business, the first thing is they create a lot of the same doubts and fears, because anytime you're putting something new out there, whether you have an existing business that you want to grow and and you're adding to that or you have something that started, it comes with the, am I good enough? Am I worthy? Is my product or service really valuable to people? Who am I to? So, you know, we're looking at something that requires innovation, creativity, sometimes capital, So I'll tell you why what you guys just said is such a great example. One of the, I think the first barrier we ran into, I always say, I call those brick walls, by the way, the whole blow it up thing is about brick walls. So every time we say, I can't do that because that can't just picture a brick in a wall. And every time you say can't, you're building a wall, right? So when you look at saying, I like to talk, I don't know that I can write. Now you didn't say can't, but we'll just translate that into I probably can't get featured on big sites because I'm a talker, not a writer. I always tell people, first and foremost, you have to be a thinker. I don't need people to be great writers when they come to me, especially as an editor or as a coach. I need people to be 
thinkers. Well, if you can talk, you're thinking. So back to what's the biggest barrier? Biggest barrier is your own conditioning. I always tell people the first brick wall that you're going to encounter is your own conditioning. The brick wall after that and the one after that and probably the one after that will be other people's conditioning. So you probably have a lot of people that, Jared, if you said, I don't know that I'm ever going to write for the big sites, even though I can see some advantage to drive traffic to my podcast by getting published on big sites. I'm not a writer. A lot of people will look at you and go, yep, I see the problem. Yep, you're so right. That's their conditioning. I would challenge that and say, back it up. Ask yourself, what do you really need to create in order to do that? You need to create thoughts. Can you talk through the thoughts and then write them down and send them to an editor that can make them article worthy? I bet you can. So that's our first biggest when we say what I really want to do is and then we say, but I can't because it's usually your own conditioning, what you believe about circumstances or consequences or your own limitations or what people will or won't give you permission for. It all starts in your head. I feel like Kamanzi is also helping me lay the bricks. So thanks, <laughs> Well, just invite me to the party and we'll create some rubble. It's okay. <laughs> we'll blow it up. All right. Dixie, what role does passion play in helping people get past their brick walls? Oh, we started there. Yeah, passionately yeah. pursue, you know, passion. I hear a lot of people that are kind of poo-pooing the whole passion thing. In fact, I, there's one really well-known speaker who just flat out says passion is and uses a C word that I – Don't use in public. Not that I'm a prude, just that I don't like to abuse your ears like that. But if you've read, just load up, and I know, Kamanzi, you have. You know that I always say passion that's not expended in purposeful action is a lot of hot air. So I have a certain amount of agreement that, you know, passion isn't what makes it happen. That takes action. I'm fully behind that. But let's think about we've got mindset. We just talked about mindset, which goes back to, you know, your conditioning. Your mindset and your vision inform strategy. Strategy drives your decisions, planning, whatever. That's where action comes in. But before that, it takes energy. I don't care where your mindset is. I don't care how good your strategy is. I don't care how clear your vision is. If you don't have energy for action, nothing happens. Passion is what produces that energy. And I think a lot of people that are like, I need to find my passion. They're confusing what they enjoy doing with what they get joy out of making happen. So passion is energy, but you really want to focus on outcomes. I call it purpose. You know, I I do a keynote that's lighting the fuse, which will actually be the next book. You heard it here first. Lighting the fuse is the working title for the next book. And it's about connecting the passion, the inner fire, purpose, the outcomes that you're producing in the world, even though you might not always totally enjoy the work around producing the outcome. You get joy from the outcome. It drives the passion and presence which is where the writing and the speaking and kind of that inside out personal brand comes in. So it starts with passion. If what you're doing doesn't create joy, doesn't create passion, you will not have energy to pursue it. So that's why the whole dreams passionately pursued, right? Dixie, you talk about presence being the gateway to impact and income. Would you be willing to explain that a bit? Yeah, it goes right back to the Ripples to Waves course, honestly. Your presence, if you have to depend on you showing up, people think presence is how you show up, right? They think I'm just talking about personal brand as relates to how you show up in public, how you network. And certainly I've taught networking, so that's an element But your presence is everywhere you show up and everything you leave behind. 
in the keynote, I used Richard Bach as an example because I never expected to meet him. And I thought I was pretty safe because he's a recluse saying he's a guy I'll never meet, but his presence made such an impact in my life that my life was changed. In fact, literally my life was saved. I had attempted suicide twice. I read his book, Illusions, and it woke me up to the idea that, hey, I can hang out in this world and be okay. I'm in charge. So it had a tremendous impact on my life. That was his presence. Even though I never expected to meet him, it was his presence in the world that made that impact. In exchange for that, he has had that book be a bestseller for years and years. It's still a bestseller in some countries where it's just now being translated and introduced. And that book transformed my life when I was 14. So it's been around a while. It's still producing income because it's still producing impact and that's his presence. So when you think about the impact that you can make, if you're only thinking about the ripples that you can create through your immediate presence, you're right here now in the present presence, that's limited thinking. And so the ripples to waves approach, whether it's the course or just the philosophy behind it, looks at If you create content that's on a site that's driving millions of visitors every month, you're creating impact that will come back to you if you have a business strategy behind it. Now, not everybody does. You have to have a business strategy laid down. you got to lay the path that they walk to your door so that they can pay you. But it has the potential to create income. Does that make sense? Yeah, that was very well explained. Dixie, everybody has doubts and fears. How do you teach your clients to deal with them? Goes back to passion again. You know, everything goes back to that energy. I always say, you know, don't let your fears define your dreams, but let your dreams overcome your fears. And the way that dreams overcome fears is the desire, the passion behind it. But to get a lot more practical than that, because that's a very, you know, spiritual answer and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great beginning. But just like passion to action, it doesn't take you all the way. There's an energy that comes with I study fear in the brain a lot. I have kind of a sideline study of what actually happens in the brain, what happens with our physicality. A lot of people don't realize that we only have one physiological response to fear, and that is our response to the fear of falling. So when your brain perceives that you have a reason to be afraid, your body responds by curling forward. Your shoulders come forward, you pull your stomach in, you pull yourself together because that is the body's one physical response. There's an energy behind that that you can convert into positive action. You can also use it as feedback loop to be mindful about your fears and to examine whether or not that fear is a response to something immediate and rational or whether it's a response to your conditioning or whether it's really excitement. You know, we actually have a lot of the same response to being excited about something as we do to being truly afraid. And that's because the more excited we are, the more we have to lose, right? We get excited about something, we get attached to it. And now we have a tremendous fear of failure. We have a tremendous fear of it being taken away. The other thing that we do is we get excited about the thing we're pursuing. And all of a sudden, our brain says, but what if you get that and then this happens? You've seen that, Kamanzi, with our students. It's like, I want to get published. I want to get published. I want to get published. And then it's like, oh my gosh, if I get published, everybody's going to read it. People are putting some scary stuff out there. We talked about that on the bonus call last night when we broke down and critiqued some pieces for people that 
once you put something out there, everybody's reading it. Now there's this fear of how are they responding? What did they think of me? I'm exposing myself. So we're sometimes every bit as afraid of success because of the next step that we see as we are failing. Dixie, as we start to wrap up here, who is doing something that interests you? Oh, there's so many people doing some amazing things that are so in. You know, I just want to dive into all kinds of things. So Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is one of the authors on a book that I have a chapter in called The Thought That Changed My Life Forever, which is a composite of 52 stories, all of them just amazing stories of one thought that transforms somebody's life. So I have one chapter in there, and Dr. Joe Dispenza wrote one. He has written a book called You Are the Placebo that pulls together years of research about the body healing itself through belief. Just incredible. Randy Gage has a new book coming out that I had a chance to preview and review for him, and it's called Mad Genius. I can't wait for Randy's book to hit the shelves because it's just, again, it's going to boggle some minds. And then the other thing that I've been reading that is so exciting to me is called The Buddha Brain. And it's about approach to happiness and how happiness takes place in our physical brain. So those are three things I would tell people to either get or watch out for because Randy's book isn't out yet. But You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. The Buddha Brain, I can't think of the author right now. You'll have to Google that one. I'm sure it'll come up. And Randy Gage's book, Mad Genius, when it comes out. Three really exciting pieces. Hey, Dixie, can you hook Jared and I up with Randy Gage so we can get him on here on the show? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a yeah. I can't make Randy do anything because nobody can make anybody else do anything, but I'll certainly make an introduction. Sweet. Okay, Dixie. You can blow up his email. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Dixie, what is uh, the best place for the listeners to stay connected with you online? Well, I practically live on Facebook. No, that's not true. Um, (laughs) No, Facebook definitely is a great place for conversation. I'm Dixie Dynamite on Twitter, as you've probably figured out. Or you can drop in on DixieDynamiteCoaching.com and you can reach me there. And, of course, RipplesToWaves.com is the course that you were talking about. Yeah. All right. Dixie, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, you know, since we talk about doubts and starving the doubts, I want to give them one thought about that because it's such a wonderful title. I love the title for this podcast because really we do grow what we feed. And that is the thought that I will leave people with. It's not about illusion and reality, although we could talk about that all day. It's really about where you put your focus. And if you're focused on your fears and if you're focused on all the things that you do not want to have happen, you're feeding it. You're just feeding it. And if you're focused on all the possibilities, because they really are unlimited, every door that closes is just one of infinity minus one. You still have infinity of possibilities. If you focus on that, you're going to move forward. Well said. Dixie, best wishes to you and your coaching and the Ripples to Wave course and the new book and everything exciting you have going on. Kamanzi and I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. I've Thanks. loved it. Thanks, guys. tell people, first and foremost, you have to be a thinker. I don't need people to be great writers when they come to me, especially as an editor or as a coach. I need people to be thinkers. Well, if you can talk, you're thinking. 